0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: The success that you enjoy in any department of your life, whether physical, material, spiritual, whatever department of your life, the amount of success The amount of the things that you enjoy is a function of the level or the depth of your spiritual life. So, success is a function of spiritual depths. Which means that the deeper you go with God, the deeper you are spiritually, the greater your chances of being able to access what God has in store for you. The more intimate you are with the Almighty God, the more you are able to pull and to deliver and to enjoy the things that God has in store for you. Now, while it is good for you to focus on the Almighty God and focus on where He is taking you, it is equally important for us to understand that just focusing on God is not enough. You need something else. You need discipline to be able to pull down and to access and attract into your life the things that God has made available for us. One of my favorite authors, and who is a motivational speaker, he's dead now, but his name is Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn says something that always resonates with me. Jim Rohn says, discipline is the bridge between the goals that you have and the accomplishment that you enjoy. In other words, at the beginning of the year, you had an idea of what this year will look like. The only way you can begin to enjoy those things is for you to be disciplined enough to follow through. And that's what he was saying. is a discipline is the bridge between the goals and accomplishments. And so while it is good for us to focus on our goals, while it is good for us to focus on the vision that God is given unto us, please understand that that is not going to be enough to get you what you want. You need discipline in every department of our lives to be able to attract the blessings of God into our life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1, we want to read from verse number 5, the Bible says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things, all this virtue that I've counted for you, all these virtues that I've outlined, if these things are yours, If that is, if they are operational in your life and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there is a kind of fruit that your life is supposed to produce. As soon as you are related with the Almighty God, Peter is now saying, if you make sure you add all these things to your faith, he said your life will not be barren. That means you will produce results. Your life will see results. Your life will produce fruits. In other words, Peter is saying, We shall make every effort to exercise our faith. And in the process of exercising our faith, you develop moral excellence. Given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That's develop moral excellence. Number two, make sure you build up your knowledge of the almighty God. You have to know God to the point that you know him for who he is. You know his character. You know what he can do. You know what he cannot do. say, add to your faith. Because the knowledge of the Almighty God enhances the way you walk with God. He said not only that, add self-control, that self-discipline, add discipline. You cannot live anyhow and enjoy all that God has in store for his people. Number four, he said that you live by perseverance. You don't give in at every opportunity. You don't give up at every challenge. You say you persevere. And then not only that, you now put godliness to be able to show the whole world that you are not just a rash human being. And then you show brotherly kindness. You are willing to be able to give and to meet the needs of the people of God. And then finally, let everything sit on the foundation of love. Loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor, loving your brothers and your sisters and the people around you. These are the things that you need so that your life can produce the result that God intends for it to produce. That's what Peter is saying. But the question is, why was Peter telling the church that they need to build all this particular virtue into their faith. Look at verse number 8. You say if these things are yours, you develop this virtue. You develop this attitude. He say and they abound. Not just develop them, but they continue to remain in your life. You continue to show love. You continue to show perseverance. You continue to show self-control. You continue to develop your knowledge of your Almighty God. If they are yours, and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful, In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Peter is basically saying, you need more than your faith to walk with the Almighty God. I believe God, I believe God, is not going to cut it. When people come to church and say, I believe God, I believe God, you don't even know. You don't have a good understanding of the God that you believe. You are not patient with that God. You have no understanding of what that God can do and what he cannot do. I believe, I believe it's not going to be enough. Peter is basically saying you need more than faith to walk with God. You must back up your faith with discipline to produce the right results. You have to back it up. Your faith cannot produce results when it lacks discipline. If you look at verse number five, he said, but also for this very reason, so that you can produce results. He said, giving all diligence. Add to your faith. You know now what Peter is saying? Be careful and be persistent as you build your virtue of your faith. Be careful and be persistent as you grow in the knowledge of the Almighty God. Be careful and be persistent as you demonstrate love, as you show perseverance. Peter is saying for us to develop the deep spiritual router that will access the treasures of heaven, we need to be disciplined, we need to be diligent in the process of developing our faiths. Walking with the almighty God requires your discipline. It requires self-control. You cannot go to any place you want to go. You cannot do the things you want to do. You are now a purchased person that has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So discipline and self-control must be a part of your life if you want to see the results. A student that wants to make an A in class does not go partying. You don't do it. Not because you don't like partying. Because you know what you are going for. You want to see the result in your life. So certain things you will not do. So there is no other way. If you want to enjoy the Christian life. It takes discipline to remain focused. It takes discipline not to change your mind. It takes discipline not to surrender. It takes discipline not to be afraid. Not to hide in fear. Not to give up where everybody is telling you to give up. Not to say oh I am not going to continue. When everything around you is discouraging. It takes a lot of discipline and self-control. To keep going when everything around you is telling you to stop. When people are telling you what's wrong with all these Christians. When they are discriminating against you and they are persecuting you and they are doing everything to make sure they break your spirit, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of self-control to say, no, I will not give up. What is this thing called spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline are those practices that promote spiritual growth in the life of a believer. The thing that we do that help us to grow as believers Spiritual disciplines are the habits of devotion and practical Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since the biblical times. Spiritual disciplines are the activities, not the attitude that we have. They are the practices, not the confession that you make. They are the things we do, not the qualities that we possess. So when you talk about spiritual discipline, I talk about the act of praying, the act of fasting. The act of reading the word of God. The act of ministering the word of God to other people. Not just talking about it. You learn how to pray by what? By praying. You learn how to read the scripture by reading the scripture. You learn how to fast by doing what? By fasting. It is an activity, not an attitude. Now, Lord give me the grace? God will not give you that grace unless you do it. Nobody came with the grace to fast from heaven. Nobody. Nobody came with the grace to pray from heaven. They learned it here. It is here that they learn it. So spiritual discipline and spiritual exercises, they are the things that we do as believers on a regular basis to keep us spiritually fit. What you do on a regular basis is not only when we call for a fast in the church. It's not what we do once in a year or we do when we know that we're about to be fired at work or we do when people just told you something went wrong and then all of a sudden you start fasting and prayer so that we can cast out the devil. No, that is not spiritual exercise. Spiritual exercise is doing on a regular basis. And the goal of spiritual discipline is to make us more like Christ. By developing the Christ-like character in us through discipline. Now the Bible describes two broad categories of spiritual discipline. The first category is the category of corporate spiritual discipline. Corporate spiritual discipline. That is the spiritual exercise that we practice together as a church. Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, when he got into Nazareth, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath as his custom was. He fellowship with other people. That is a corporate spiritual discipline. The second category is the personal spiritual discipline. Personal spiritual discipline. That is the spiritual exercise that you do on your own. And let me tell you something. It is good to participate in corporate spiritual discipline. But the one that is most beneficial for you, is the one that you do personally. When you pray personally. When you study your word personally. When you engage in the word of God personally. That is the one that gives you result. The Bible says that in Mark chapter 1 verse 35, they say, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Not in the midst of everybody. Alone. That is personal spiritual discipline. Now there are those Who are of the opinion that once you become a Christian, God takes care of everything. You don't need to pray. God knows what you want. Now why should you be praying? He knows what you want. Why are you praying? It's a waste of time. Is it that mean that he cannot even give you what you want? There are people who do that. They argue that you don't need to do anything for God to love you more. You don't need to fast for God to love you more. You don't need to pray for God to love you more. God already loves you. God never take your picture away from his refrigerator. But one thing you must understand is that spiritual discipline is not about earning God's love. Spiritual discipline is not about earning God's love. It's about growing as a believer. It's about maturing as a believer. You think if I do exercise, that will make my wife love me more? No. It's for my own health so that I don't get heart attack. If my wife loves me because of six-packs, we would have been dissolved in love time because there's no six-packs here. Spiritual discipline is not for earning God's love. No, it's for you to grow as a believer. And please understand, as much as God loves you, you cannot become proficient at anything in the kingdom of God by sitting on the couch. Never. Even in this life that you are in right now, you cannot become an A student by looking at the books. You look at the book. And all of a sudden there's this osmosis content in the book just begin to flow into your head and you just know everything like that. I wish that were possible. I would have been probably what? Probably I'll be, I'll be a space engineer. I love to fly. So that way I would have just learned everything by just looking at the book or looking at the plane. So understand that you cannot, as much as God loves you, you cannot amount to anything by just sitting down and doing nothing. You do not lose weight by just going and hanging around in the gym. You know that. You don't become a good footballer by watching the Super Bowl. I hope you know that. You need to exercise yourself spiritually if you ever hope to do what? To become anything in the kingdom of God. If you ever want to see the hand of God move in your life, you have to exercise spiritually. And there are several disciplines that we see in scripture. a believer can engage in that will move that particular individual forward. And the first one we are going to be dealing with is called the discipline of the word. The spiritual discipline of the word. Second Timothy chapter two. Reading from verse number 15, the Bible tells us, Paul the apostle writing to Timothy his son said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. The question is, why is Paul telling Timothy? To engage in the discipline of the word. Why is he telling him to study the word of God? The Bible tells us again. In that same second Timothy chapter 3. In verse number 16. He said all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproval. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words Paul was telling Timothy. I'm asking you to study the word of God. I'm asking you to engage in the discipline of feeding your soul, your spirit with the word of God, because the word of God is inspired. The word of God is inspired. And when it is inspired, when it enters into your spirit, it brings forth inspiration in your life. Paul is saying, study the word, because it has the power to teach you the things you don't know. Paul is saying, study the word, because it has the power of reproofing you when you are wrong. It shows you This is where you are going wrong. These are the things that you are doing wrongly. Number four, Paul is telling Timothy, study the word because it can correct you when you are wrong. When you have gone in the wrong way. It's not just showing you what you are doing wrong. It's telling you how to correct your ways. And not only that, Paul is saying to Timothy, study the word because it has the ability to instruct you on what to do. To guide you in the steps that you are supposed to take. Paul is saying to Timothy, because the word of God is inspired, because it has the ability to teach you, because it has the ability to reprove, to correct, and to instruct you in righteousness. Paul is now telling Timothy, if you develop that ability, if you develop that discipline of spending time in that world, if you develop that habit of regularly feeding your spirit and teaching your spirit to feed on the world, then you will notice something. The first thing you are going to notice is that you become competent and proficient. When you begin to study the word of God, when you spend time in the word of God, you become competent and you become proficient in the things that you are studying. Number two, you become equipped and prepared. You become well equipped. Nothing makes you by surprise. And that is why you find people who are grounded in the word of God. The Bible says, I am wiser than my teacher. That is because you spend time in the world. You become equipped and prepared. Number three, Paul is saying, you do this thing so that you become effective and efficient in the way you manage your life. The word of God teaches you how to be effective and efficient in the way you manage your life. In other words, as you practice the discipline of the word, as you become more grounded in the word of God, in the truth of the word of God, and it strengthens your faith, and as it strengthens your faith, you are able to confront and confound and destroy the cynics. Nobody can rout you. Nobody can begin to throw you up and down because the wisdom of the Almighty God resides in you. When you begin to speak, nobody is able to challenge your wisdom. Not because you are the smartest. But because you have access to the inspiration of heaven. That's why Paul is saying. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 4. The Bible tells us that when Jesus went into the wilderness. And was being tempted by the devil. Look at what the devil did. The devil brought in scriptures. How did our Lord Jesus Christ overcome? He said it is written. It is written. It is written. The only way you can overcome. Whatever the enemy would throw at you is for you to know what is written concerning you. When you know what is written concerning you, concerning your family, concerning your career, concerning your future, nothing can throw you off balance. No demon on the face of the earth can challenge you because you know what God has said concerning you. And when the enemy confronts you, you are able to kick the enemy to the curb just like Jesus Christ did. A firm understanding of the word of God, through the discipline of the word, puts you on top. It puts you on top. Because it's the mind of God for you. The question is that, why must you practice this discipline of the word? Why must you study the word of God? If you go back to second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a bookman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You study the word of God to increase in wisdom and in understanding. That's why you study it. Proverbs 1.5 tells us, He say A wise man hears and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. The more you expose yourself to the word of God, the more you allow the word of God to bathe you in the morning, what it does for you is increase your wisdom, increase your knowledge, increase your understanding. That's what it does for you. And that's why you must study it. Number two is because it gives you inspiration. It tells you what is possible. It tells you what God can do. It tells you the things that God has made available for you. He said, but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty God. Give him understanding. As you read the word of God, the Lord opens your eyes, gives you inspiration and you begin to see things happen. Not only that, why must you study the Word? You study the Word because it gives you clarity on the issues of life. Now that the world is upside down, now that good is bad and bad is good, If you greet somebody good morning now, you need to go outside and check whether it is morning. But because of all this kind of foolishness that is going on, you need the word of God for clarity. You need it for clarity. Not only that, you Paul is saying, study the word so that you can have access to revelation. You have access to the mind of God. He said, call upon me and I will answer. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. That's access to revelation when you study the word of God. And not only that, you receive edification. When your spirit is down, it lifts you up. When you are discouraged, it has a way of encouraging you. When you are tired, it has a way of strengthening you. When you think there is no way, it has a way of opening the way for you. You study the word of God to receive fortification. If a man goes through the scripture with the intention of criticizing or finding faults. If you go through the scripture with the intention of looking for error. And say there is inconsistencies in the Bible. If you go through the scripture with the intention of arguing and debating. You will find enough evidence to satisfy your soul. You will find enough. This is a book that is written almost how many centuries ago. Of course, they were not thinking of 21st century terms when they were writing it. They were not thinking about you here in America when they were writing it. So definitely, there's going to be something that you will consider to be inconsistent. So you will find enough ammunition to make you entrenched in whatever position that you have taken. But one thing I can assure you is this. If you come to the Bible with those kind of attitude, the attitude of criticizing or finding fault, the attitude of arguing and debating, one thing I can tell you is that the word will not do you good. The blessings of the word will never be released to such a person. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, "They says, for unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. There is nobody today that has access to the internet, that has access to cable television, that has never heard the gospel, because it has been preached. The Bible said, for unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But it said the word priest did not profit them. Why? Because they went in with the wrong attitude. They went in there thinking they are smarter than God. They went in there thinking that God was making a mistake when he said a man shall leave his father and cleave unto his wife and the two of them shall become one. They thought God was crazy at that point in time. The Bible says that the word was preached to them, but the word preached did not profit them, not mixing with faith in them that hear it. They wanted to insist on having their way. And then they said the Bible is not working. I'm angry at God. Does God even notice that you're angry? People do some really dumb things. But that's a story for another day. So if you read the scripture with the intention of mocking it, it will not profit you because you will not have access to its treasures. But when you read it with an open mind, the Lord opens up. The scripture opens up. The scripture begins to deliver on his promises. He begins to give you the things that he has promised to give unto you. The question then is how do you read the scripture so that it can deliver its maximum benefit to you? How do you read the scripture? Number one, you read it prayerfully. You say, forever, O Lord, your word is settled. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't make any difference. You must understand, The word of God is true. Whether you believe it or not, it makes no difference. And how do you study to get the maximum? You study prayerfully. You study purposefully. You go to the word of God with a specific purpose. I want something from this. You don't just go in there because you are tired or you cannot sleep at 3am and you are looking for something to put you to sleep. Which is very good if you read Leviticus. You can sleep very quickly. You study prayerfully. You study purposefully. You study passionately. You study patiently. There are things that are difficult to understand that you have to read it over and over and over for you to understand what the Lord is talking about. And then you read it persistently. You don't read it once and leave it alone. You go back to it. You go back to it. The Bible said the word of God is new every day. So the more you read it, the more it becomes fresh unto you. That's how you study the word of God. And there is strategy for you to be able to mind the word of God. There is a strategy for be able to pull in the word of God out. And what are the strategies? For studying the word of God. Basically, there are three strategies. The first one is to study it by chapter. You take a chapter of the word of God and you study it. Now, there are people who argue that when they wrote the Bible, there were no chapter, So, they are going to just read the Bible and they will not quote it. And then I ask them, if you want your congregation to follow you, how do you say it? John said this. Where did he say it? We should stop arguing about stupid things in the church. How that make you more righteous, I don't know. So, you study the Bible by chapter. Study the Bible by chapter. You study the Bible by character. You look at a particular character. And say I want to understand why Abraham was special. I want to know why David was the man after God's own heart. I want to know why God was so peace with Saul. I want to understand the nature of this character. So you study it by character. And then most importantly you study it by subject or by topic. You take a particular topic. What does the Lord have to say about discipline? What does the Bible have to say about loving your enemies? What does the Bible have to say about giving? What does the Bible have to say about this, about that? You study by topic. So, to get the best out of the word of God, study the chapters. To get the best out of the word of God, you study by character. To get the best out of the word of God, you study by subject or by topics. Now, I haven't seen how the blessings question that always bugs my mind is, why will the people of God not read the word of God? You say you love somebody. You are a lady that loves a man and a man that loves a lady. man writes a letter to you, you refuse to read it. And he calls you on the phone, you refuse to pick up the phone and you say you are in love with that person. What kind of love is that? Eh? That is what believers are doing. Bible is the love letter of the Almighty God to his own people and the people of God refuse to read it. Why? Let me suggest to you that many of us don't read the scripture because of the misconception that we have about the word of God. We are so convinced that it's too difficult for us to understand so we don't read it. We are so convinced that it's full of contradiction and we don't read it. I remember somebody telling me the Bible is full of contradiction. I say, fine, I agree with you. Can you please show me one? Because anytime I travel, I travel a lot. I have a Bible in my bag. I pull one out. I say, please show me one. They are just parroting and repeating what they have heard over the years and they cannot even substantiate those arguments. We don't read it because we are crowded our lives with all sorts of things. We have no time. We are so much in a hurry, going nowhere. Because we are so much in a hurry, we refuse to do what is important. Many of us are not reading the scripture because we are too distracted. Which is more important, which is more interesting. What Netflix you read by. It's no brainer. So that's why many of us are not reading it. Because we live in an environment of distraction. We are blinded to its relevance. I mean, this is a book that is written by dead people. And that is why we don't read it. We think it's not relevant. And many of us don't read it because... The Spirit of the Almighty God that makes the Word of God come alive is absent in our lives. When the Holy Spirit is not present in the life of an individual, you cannot enjoy the Bible. It's just another book that is very, very boring. But those who are disciplined enough to feed on the Word of God, those who have taken the time to discipline themselves in the study of the Word of God, you will find out that the Word of God keeps you from sin. You cannot read that shall not commit adultery and then you turn around and start committing adultery. Something is wrong with you. One of the easiest ways you can settle a quarrel between a husband and wife is to ask them to pray. When they are really angry, and you say, okay, hold your hands and pray. If they can pray in that situation, those ones have gone. If you can be angry at somebody and you are holding your hand and you are still speaking in tongues, something is wrong with that person. Something is majorly wrong with that person. But there is no way you can be angry and pray. The more you study the Bible, the more it keeps you away from sin. The more you study the Bible, the more you receive instruction for life and godliness. Because it tells you what to do. It gives you instruction for life and godliness. The more you read the Bible, the more you have direction and guidance. That is; Those are the benefits. And it protects you from the enemy. The Bible tells us when the Lord was talking about Job. He said, have you seen my servant Job? That is, There is nobody like him. And Satan answered in verse number 9 of Job chapter 1. He said, Satan answered and said to the Lord, Does Job fear the Lord for not? Has thou not made an edge about him, and about his house, and about all that he had on every side? Because Job spent his time in the presence of the Almighty God, there was a edge of protection around him. When you spend time in the word of God, the Lord protects you from the hands of the enemy. And then the more you spend time in the word of God, the more you enjoy prosperity and success. We all know this verse of the scripture. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the Lord shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For thou shalt make thy ways prosperer, and thou shalt have good success. That is the reward of reading the word of God. It has the way of prospering you. It has a way of making your way to be successful. It has a way of keeping you from the danger of enemy. It has a way of keeping you from foolish decisions. It has a way of guiding you.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.